Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and this is my co-host Joey. Hey, how's it going? And today we're talking about Leon the Professional, the extended cut, which was requested of us by one of our listeners, Wesley White. Wesley, thank you for recommending Leon the Professional. Thank you, Wesley. You're the, you're the real MVP. Leon the Professional, the extended cut, is an English language French New York City old man and little girl action crime drama. Directed by Luc Besson. The cast includes Ponton, Young Padme, Why So Serious Serious, and Sal from Sal's Famous Pizzeria. Joey, I watched this movie on YouTube. How did you watch it? I also bought it for $10 on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, did, I bought it. There wasn't an option to rent, but now I have it forever. So, <laughs> great. Great. <laughs> Or until YouTube decides that they don't want me to have it anymore yes, because... because I don't they, own anything anymore. I don't, yeah, I don't have anything physical. <laughs> so why don't you tell us the synopsis for Leon the Professional? Uh, I, I'd be happy to. A man with a milk addiction tries not to have a relationship with a love-struck 12-year-old. That's Leon the Professional. Let's get right into it with our pros and cons. Joey, what did you like about Leon the Professional? This movie is very well directed and acted it is long and slow, but it doesn't really drag. Um, it's tense, but it has kind of a light tone, too. Uh, the overall, it kind of ebbs and flows really naturally. Um, the characters are compelling, and they drive the story v very effectively. And I really like Gary Oldman. I think he's awesome in this movie. Um, I also really appreciate the unique look at New York City. Uh, normally, you kind of see New York from a couple different like lights, but this shows a kind of different side of it, which I appreciated. What about you? Um, I thought there was great acting all around, great casting, especially from young Natalie Portman. I was impressed with her debut, uh, that she was, this is a very dramatic role, a lot of tears, and she, I think she did an amazing job. I like the explosive beginning that gets you hooked right away. They don't make you sit through a bunch of boring stuff to earn the, the first bit of action. They get right into it, and it is spectacular. Great cinematography. Uh, I especially liked the reoccurring views of the stairwells. They would always do these views from either the top or the bottom of, of these stairwells. Good mix of action and drama. I like the way that you said it. It's long and slow, but not boring. There was always, there was plenty of, you know, mundane stuff going on, but they mixed it in with action. Um, and yeah, unique characters. Um, like I, I think that Leon as a, they do a good job of making him a unique hitman. Um, and also Stansfield is a very unique villain mm. um, and Gary Oldman does an amazing job plus I think that it has an amazing climactic finish that's very memorable absolutely uh, what about our cons let's uh, what did you not like about Leon the Professional what is this movie about exactly and like what and even this is how I feel about it even if this movie had something really interesting and profound to say which I don't think it does I would not feel good enough to uh, stand up for it you know I don't this is not a movie I feel like I could die on a hill for you know I do not care that much about it like I don't feel comfortable enough defending it uh, even if it had something interesting to say that makes sense yeah I, and I think what you're trying to say about defending it might have to do a little bit with the fact that this movie tries to get away with sexualizing a 12 year old yes um, that is my biggest critique of it it's 
definitely something that made me uncomfortable. Um, and I, I do want to elaborate more on that, but just at a baseline, this movie tries to get away with that. And I don't think that's good. Uh, and also at times, I think that the dialogue is pretty melodramatic from our resident 12 year old. I would love to get your take on that. We'll talk about yeah. that a little bit later. Um, uh, but that is how I felt. So those are our pros and our cons. Let's get into the overall section. Joey, take it away. I think there's a lot of things this movie does really well. There's a lot. Of, it has, has a lot going for it. Um, it's really creative, like the way that Leon lives his life and all the different rules that come up with being a hitman and stuff like, you know, no hitman's ever written a book about like how to be a hitman, you know? So I really like the way they have that built in. It feels really natural and kind of real. Like if there were, if, people like this really did exist this is what they would do and act like um it's it's a very interesting story right like you're you're compelled about what's going to happen it's not really clear what's going to happen you know it seemed it has this kind of tragic feel to it but it's also really light at times so it's really not clear how it's going to end um it's got all these really beautiful moments between these really well-established characters that are really are the memorable bits about it even more so than like the really interesting action that you see throughout the movie it's long, but it doesn't really drag either, like I said earlier. Um, and it just focuses on just a few people, so it really dives deep into these characters. Um, and I really do feel like it brings them to life, which is difficult to do. So, you know, over two and a half hours, it really focuses on basically just four people and makes them real um, and then puts them against each other and what happens happens, basically, which I think is yeah. awesome. No, yeah, and, and so let's talk about a couple of those characters. So Leon, I really like this character. Like you said, he has his own code of conduct, no women and children, right? Sure. Uh, but everybody else is pretty much fair. Same as uh, the Titanic, right? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Leon the Titanic would also have been an alternate title. He... Um, you know, it, outside of that rule, though, he kind of kills with impunity. Uh, but he is a professional, right? He works his job and lives a simple life. Like, everything he does outside of actual jobs seems like almost in preparation or in maintenance of being ready to do his job. You know, he drinks milk, he irons his clothes, he cares for his plant, he does sit-ups, and he sleeps in a chair sitting up. Like, with the sunglasses I, which, on in the middle of the night. With the sunglasses <laughs> on, which is fantastic. I, I think... Um, the type of killer that when you try to ambush him, he's already sitting in a chair and like shoots you first is <laughs> that is an amazing payoff, but you have to have the setup. So he's preparing his whole life for that, um, yeah. which I'm sure is just murder on his back. Um, but he's a fantastic killer and he does um, little else, you know? So I think it, I don't know. It's a great way to classify him. Like I, a lot of times I'm trying to compare him to other, you know, murderers that we have in these movies like John Wick. And um, he does a good job of setting himself apart with his own little uniquenesses, um, including not being able to read, which for me is a major flaw for a hitman. I feel like the <laughs> there's plenty of things you need to be able to read to get around the city and stuff. And that could that could have been some sort of, uh, you know, uh, ironic end. To well, him. OK. Yeah, that's true. That would be kind of funny if he like had to go one way or the other, and there's a sign, and he doesn't know which way he's supposed to go. But I think, well, to be completely fair to him, like I think he can read French. He just can't read, you know, uh, okay. English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, because he came here when he was 19 and stuff. And, but I, the other thing I really like about the way Leon is kind of set up is that he doesn't actually go out and get the jobs himself, which, like, if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Like, you can't be a famous hitman. It doesn't make any sense because people will just kill you. Right, right. So he is just – he works for Tony, right? And Tony gives him the stuff to do, and then he's just kind of like an arm of that, of Tony's organization, right? So he just kind of sits there and waits, basically. Did you feel like Tony was manipulating him in a bad way? Well, I I don't know because Tony seems like a good person. Like he seems like he cares about Leon. He doesn't ever seem to directly take advantage of him. And yet he, the way that that relationship is, it's very predatory, right? Yes. Because he's controlling all of his money and, and kind of insists that he controls all of his money and that like Le- like implies that Leon is not responsible enough with it or wouldn't be responsible enough with it, right? Or which a bank like, wouldn't be responsible enough with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is just another excuse for Tony to keep the money. And, you know, a good – if you're clever like he claimed like he is, you – whenever someone asks for money, you give it to them, right? And that right. way they have, they have no leg to stand on when they say, you have all my money, you won't give it to me. <laughs> No, yeah. It, well, you could also, you know, Leon is not in a situation where he's he's a special case, right? He is a killer, yeah. you know. And you could look at it to, from Tony's perspective. It's like, okay, Leon got involved with a woman and then became a murderer. Now he can't live in his homeland anymore, so he's here. I'm going to protect him from those kind of temptations by keeping him in this lane where he's just a killer. Yeah, keep him from the temptations of life. Yeah, that's that's fair. And seriously, though, I mean, maybe. Um, so I don't know. I, I liked the kind of the moral ambiguity of that relationship. And moral ambiguity is definitely a theme throughout this um, movie, yes. which is a great segue <laughs> into the... The thing that was hovering in the back of my mind throughout the entire movie, which was how this movie sexualizes Natalie Portman. Now, it's clear that this movie understands that the relationship is wrong. Okay, is I don't, I don't want to say that it's trying to endorse some sort of adult-child relationship. Look no further for proof for that. Look no further than when Leon does a milk spit take every time Natalie Portman does something provocative to him. You know, when she admits her love or something like that, he'll be like, you know, and and spit out his milk. You know, you see, he's so taken aback. Um, And I, and and there, there is something to it. Like I, I'm not trying to say the dynamic is totally wrong. I think it's interesting to have a young girl with a tragic backstory paired with an emotionally unavailable hitman. Um, and this movie benefits immensely from that relationship. But by the way it goes about portraying Matilda, it's clear the movie is trying to have its cake and eat it too. The resolution of the movie provides catharsis from this dynamic, of course. Uh, you know, with him admitting his love, but never having it be some sort of physical thing. It's definitely more of an emotional thing. Um, and never having them, you know, there's nothing illegal that happens necessarily. Um but I think the movie f- leans a little too hard into sexualizing Matilda. The scene where they, you know, f- have fun when they're doing too much training, Matilda says it's time for them to play a game. What game is that, first off? It's like, like uh, it's charades or something. Charades with sound um, <laughs> <laughs> and dressing up. It's like charades with training wheels. But the one she chooses to do is like a virgin where she's like basically just wearing a bra and then Marilyn Monroe happy birthday in a, a sexualized version of happy birthday 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the famous like thing that she did for which I actually I watched after this movie. I went and watched the actual Marilyn Monroe because I've seen it's referenced in so much stuff. Yeah, I went and actually watched it, and it is a bizarre. clip it is weird and then the one of the youtube comments i saw i thought was amazing they're like it's amazing that this isn't a scene from a movie and is actually real because <laughs> <laughs> it does it like i've seen it in so many films now it almost seems like that's where it actually spawned but no yeah. it was real life anyways when I, th- that's beside the point it's an inherently sexual thing to portray okay so was that really necessary they have her do groucho marks right after and that is just kind of funny you i know? thought that was uh charlie chaplin Oh, yeah, actually, I think it is Charlie Chapson. I'm just not 70, so I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but the point is, I'm saying, was that really necessary? Okay, let's continue. Also, having her wear, like, the shortest sh- throughout the whole movie, okay? Here's an idea. How about dressing like a kid? All right? I know that she's had this tragic backstory, and she's, she's having to grow up fast, okay? But you get to decide what she wears in this movie, and I don't think she has to be dressing... I, I had a problem with how much of her skin I saw throughout, okay? Um, and maybe I'm a little conservative on this thing, but I don't really feel like I am. <laughs> um, how about the close-up on her bare stomach when she's describing what it feels like to be in love? Or how the camera lingers on her little 12-year-old kid butt when she's climbing out of bed after sleeping with Leon? Also, how about it sleeping with Leon? <laughs> I just feel like this movie, it obviously is saying this shouldn't happen, and it doesn't necessarily happen. But the whole time it's saying, oh, but don't you want it to happen? Wouldn't it be great if it happened? Like, we should, you know, it's about, it might happen. Yeah, yeah. That's the, See, that's the impression that I got, was when you, when you say that the, it understands the relationship is wrong, I did not get that impression. I definitely... I definitely thought of it as like, it's, it's kind of playing with the taboo in a way, but it's not actually saying it's wrong. And like, it never actually goes that far and i think you're absolutely right that like we have to i feel like harping on this point is the entire point of this movie because when i finish watching leon the professional the extended cut i am left not i'm not left thinking about you know um leon the the professional i'm not left with that character i'm a little i'm still thinking a little bit about gary oldman um and i'm not thinking about any of the action or like any of those other parts of it you know i'm not thinking about the plant or i'm what i'm thinking about what sticks in my mind is some a bunch of old men telling 12 year old natalie portman uh to dress up like madonna and sing like a virgin you know (laughs) like (laughs) just the entire concept of that is so makes my skin crawl and I, I never really got over how sexualized Matilda was. It's kind of the same way that you were. Like the whole time, it never gets easier the, as the movie goes on. And it's such an unusual choice. And I think it's the wrong choice. But I also think I understand what the intention was. So, okay, so Matilda, in addition to having her tragic backstory, was raised on television. She watches cartoons and the news and whatever else is on, right? So she has all of this pop culture knowledge. Um, and she sees on TV and movies young girls being sexualized and thinks that's what's expected of her, right? In the movies, the girl always ends up with the hero, and she sees her whole life as a melodramatic movie and that Leon is the hero of that story, therefore she must end up with him, right? And she's really happy to play that part because she thinks that's how life is. Um, 
And she also sees, of course, a glorification of violence on TV and how passion drives stories. She's very passionate about everything she does, right? There's all these moments where she almost kills herself simply to get Leon to do something for her, which are amazing scenes, actually. Um, and she she's kind of this perversion of a child because she never really had a proper childhood. So, like, I I kind of can excuse her melodramatic like language because she did have to grow up so quickly in a way you know and she has all of this like behind she like has all this behind her to force her to talk a certain way and because she was raised on tv you know that's how people talk and they talk in that way joey this is why i talk to this is why i talk to you about movies because that's so true that is it's so um it pervades this whole movie her like sitting down and watching TV and then a- acting bizarre in real life. What's the point of that though, right? Like, I don't understand what the lesson we're supposed to take away from this is. Uh, like, is the lesson that kids should have parents? That's not very controversial. Like, <laughs> I don't. Is the I lesson think... TV bad? TV bad. <laughs> but okay, if if TV bad, why am I watching TV right now? Well, well hold on. <laughs> This is another example of TV bad because this movie is sexualizing a 12 year old. So, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I don't, that doesn't, that doesn't compute in my mind. Okay. Like, it seems like a weird stance for the movie to take that, like, movies are a bad lesson to, like, if the, the lesson I'm supposed to take away from the movie is don't take lessons from movies, <laughs> then we're left with nothing. It's a paradox. <laughs> yeah. It can't, it can't both be true. You should learn from this movie. Also, you should never learn from movies. <laughs> never learn from movies. But I don't think that's right either. Like, Yeah. I, to- I mean, I don't if we didn't have – if that was true, then we wouldn't do anything on this podcast. I don't think it's being – I don't right. I don't think this movie is being critical enough of the relationship they have i think it's being completely uncritical okay you know i don't necessarily think it's endorsing it as much as it's just not saying no well it toes the Um, line it goes all the way up until the line and then does it and very clearly does not cross it unless you want to say like the you know almost platonic sleeping position they had that for me was still very uncomfortable but i think in a different in a in a if the point they were trying to make was an adult should be able to be in a relationship with a 12 year old then leon and matilda would have kissed before she went down the air duct you know because sure, that sure. was the climactic if this w- if she was 18 years old which i think this movie potentially could have worked with an 18 year old i'm just saying um but they, that's when they would have kissed but they didn't you know they went through the whole thing with no physical uh relationship so um yes it's not it's definitely not an endorsement but i agree there's not they barely do anything to try to discourage it what are the, so what I think is also going on here, in addition to that kind of backstory, is that I think the intention is to make Matilda this sort of absurd character, right? It's like, oh, she's a little girl with a foul mouth, like, or like she, who thinks about sex? Isn't that funny? That's not a thing that happens in real life, <laughs> right? Like, I think that was the, you understand what I'm saying? Like, it's like an absurd turn, right? Where she's like, I'm, I'm a little girl but i have all these adult qualities kind of thing and it's supposed to be like a like a flip on the traditional little girl trope in a way but like it's that doesn't like those things do go together that, that's the thing like yeah. young girls are sexualized a lot sometimes they are more than just viewed in a sexual light it's wrong it's disgusting it's disturbing and it's depressing but a young girl who is overtly sexual is not weird or absurd 
it's terrifyingly real. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's that's what was in the back of my mind was like, this is not just some young sexualized girl. This is Natalie Portman. This is a very powerful and important actress. And the way she got her start was being sexualized as a 12 year old. You know, this is her acting yes, debut. As, and I'm like, yes, how and un- she was literally 12 years old when this movie was made. Right. And it's like how that's so tough. That's like that is step one as a as a. You know, if you want to be a female actress, it's like, okay, well, go ahead and start out in this role where you're an am- you're amazing at acting. You clearly should be on screen, but you have to be wearing short shorts and falling in love with a- an adult. Yes, right. Uh, clearly, like the relationship between Leon and like um, and Matilda makes Leon uncomfortable. Um, but you never really see her him like address that in a way, you know, like and you don't really know why it makes him uncomfortable is it because she's so young or is it just because she's a woman coming on to him right you know and like he never tells her what she's doing is wrong really he says like when she's cursing he tells her to stop cursing but he doesn't like he doesn't ever say like oh you shouldn't act like that you know or like oh you shouldn't talk like that kind of thing yeah, he never anything, addresses. He never specifically states. Listen, I'm an adult man, and you're a little kid. Okay, right. we can be friends, and I can protect you from these murderers. But you, we're not going to be together. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, if anything, he seems kind of enchanted by her, which is a whole other like, which like doesn't really add to it. It adds to the confusion, I think. So I think that's definitely something they're trying to sell too, though, um, especially seeing. Um, some of the responses to this, I don't know. I, I think it's dangerous the way it glor- not glorifies, but I guess, I don't know, endorses this adult man, little girl relationship as some sort of like cool killer duo, um, mm-hmm. where it's like, uh, maybe this isn't something that we should be, you know, kind of giving the thumbs up to and saying, cool. Um, cause I mean, especially the extended cut where you get, I, as I understand it, the part of the extended cut is really where you get to see them being killers together, um, mm. which again could be cool if they're just a platonic thing. But there's always this inherent, you know, sexual tension. Um, another thing yes. I wanted to mention, or just uh, uh, I think that the movie did well as far as portraying Natalie Portman was when they're at the restaurant, she's drinking champagne and being an annoying little kid. Okay, that's <laughs> yes. what little kids are like. That's yes. that's more like when people are like, oh man, like. Um, you know, I don't know. It's like, I, I want to be with like an 18 year old, like the youngest girl possible and still be legal. It's like, dude, have you met girls that age? <laughs> There's like, that is so, like, you are only thinking with one part of your brain when you make that choice because they're annoying. Young people are annoying. You know, once you get a little bit older, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm aging myself here, but you're just, I don't. Welcome back to Boomer Chat. Exactly. I, I just don't think, I think that they're oversimplifying it. And to think that there's something great about hanging out with a 12 year old all the time, it's clear you haven't been around 12 year olds in a while. Sure. I mean, yeah. I think there's a couple things. First of all, it just, it just shows how good of an actress Natalie Portman was in this movie, right? Where she she has adult qualities, but she's still very much a kid. And she still very much acts like a kid. And that's that's tough to pull off because many times when you're like when you're reading a book or something, they'll talk about, oh, this kid was eleven years old, but he doesn't act at all like eleven year old. He's like wait he like makes decisions and like has rational thoughts that are way outside of his like realm of like like experience, you know? And Natalie Portman doesn't really do that. She she kind of acts and talks a certain way, but she doesn't really make decisions like she would an adult, you know? 
She's way more brash. She's way more like irrational. Even when she thinks things through, it still ends up not the way she intended. So it's, I like that a lot. I think that's, I think it's a very well done part of this movie. Um, the other thing is like, I think as a culture, we are just attracted to youth. Like it's yeah, no, like definitely. It's, it, more so than like per, someone's physical appearance. It's way more how young they look. I think that's a real thing. I mean, it's why people getting plastic surgery and, and always trying yeah. to, I mean, and putting on makeup and stuff like, yeah, I guess we do really highly value, value youth, um, even if that's somewhat misguided at times. Right. Well, it obviously can go too far. You, know, you cross that line, it becomes really, really not okay. Right. And, and again, I don't want to say that I totally, uh, like that the, the dynamic doesn't work. I think that there's a version of this movie you could write where it's she's not in love with Leon. <laughs> right. Where, where she it, sees him as like a father figure or something, yeah. you know? And like, I don't know, you could even have it go the other way where Leon, like, like because he's so emotionally stunted, tries to do something to Natalie and she pushes him off and says, that's not okay. You know? Right, and like, right. it shows like it, it empowers her, but also like rebukes the person who's watching this movie. Because think about this, right? Who is this movie for? Right. Is it for little girls? I don't, I don't think so. No, it doesn't seem like a, a little girl movie. It seems like a older man movie. <laughs> yeah, this definitely, I don't know. I, I don't want to generalize, but this definitely seems like a four guys kind of movie. Yeah. It was like, the, like all the highlights, all of the things are like action related. Lots of people shooting and dying. Like that's definitely like a, like a male fantasy type thing. Definitely. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah. we harped enough on that. Uh, yes, but it, it is definitely a huge part of this. That's movie. what I. That's that's what's so frustrating, right? Like, there's so many other things this movie does well, but that's the only thing I can think about when I'm done with it. And definitely. that's when someone I to describe this movie to someone else. That's the first thing I think of. I don't think, oh, it's a really cool like creative story about a hitman. No, nah, it's about a hitman who befriends a little girl and she's extra sexual. You know, and everyone's just like. Oh, <laughs> right. And the thing is, there is an interesting plot here. There is good acting, good cinematography, good direction, all that stuff. But yeah, it suffers from all a lot of the attention being sucked away um, by this one glaring, uh, you know, edgy part of the movie. <laughs> well, but it's but it's so integral to it, too. You know, it doesn't exist without that. But I like I, I struggle to think about how like I think what this does is proves, first of all, that doing this is impossible because it was like trying to tell a story like this is impossible because you're they've already tried to do it in the best way possible with this movie. Like they've already gone right. so far with it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you were to change the circumstances and, you know, it was a little girl and her father figure or a little boy and her mo and his mother figure or or switch something around so that like that sexual tension is no longer there, then it's a different movie. Um and so I think trying to do it Trying to tell this story, um, in because I've seen other movies that try to do something similar. This one does it as well as it can be done, and it's still not done well. I, I agree with that. Um, okay, okay. So do you want to do you want to move on from this topic? Yes. Wanna, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, I want to talk about Leon's plant um, okay. and how it's kind of. I, I think it's kind of a metaphor for Leon's lifestyle. So, like, much like the plant. Um, was transplanted into a pot, or maybe that's Ooh. where it started, but that's where it is. Um, Leon was transplanted into America, 
and he does what he needs to survive, and that's basically it. He takes care of himself and is always doing what he needs to do to perform his job at an elite level. Um, just like he's always putting the pot out to get its uh, putting the plant out to get the sunlight and he's always uh, you know taking care of the leaves and spraying them down and wiping them for aphids I assume and but much like the plant in the pot he hasn't put down any roots by becoming a full person um, and you know and in this movie it's implying finding love but you could even just say doing anything besides his job right he right. just he lives in his apartment and he does his job and that's it um, and before Matilda uh before he dies, Matilda helps him find that love for life. That, uh, and he even expresses that out loud, so you really know. Um, and he says he wants to put down roots, which is a bit on the nose and really what tipped me off to this metaphor. <laughs> uh, but even though he dies, you get to see the plant be planted in the soil so it can finally put down roots and kind of like symbolically uh, show you what had happened to Leon, at least from an emotional perspective. Even though he didn't have a chance to really uh, put down, you know, put down roots and become more than just a hitman or maybe even leave that life behind uh you at least get to see the plant be put down as kind of a symbol of where leon ended up because uh, he started off as this potted plant lifestyle and he got to the point where at least wanted to be uh, you know planted in the soil plant yes <laughs> i actually okay so i found that this, this plant has a name it's called a um aglonema aglonema um it's a it's a house plant um, and, and he, there's all the plant is great. I mean, he calls it his best friend. Um, he actually saves it at the end, right? Where yes. there's like there's like literally a thousand cops like about to storm his um his apartment. Six and star he, wanted level on GTA. Yeah, basically. And he <laughs> um he like dives around like through the window, grabs the plant, and like puts it in a, like a, a bundle, and then like gives it to Natalie Portman to save. Which is hilarious, and it doesn't. The plant does not look like it's in very good shape near the end of the movie. Like it's like all slumped over and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I I do like that as a metaphor for his life. It's uh, yeah, it's nice. No, definitely, and it, it's consistent throughout the entire movie. There's always when they're doing other stuff, you always see them putting the plant out or taking care of it. Um, so yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it's like a really important part of the montage, right? Is showing the passage of time by how many times he puts the plant right. out, and that shows you like this is a new day. It's like the start of the day is this, and the end of the day is he takes the plant in. And then when Natalie Portman starts taking care of the plant herself, it shows like him letting her into his life, right, and like how she's taking on some of that responsibility of taking care of him. That's pretty cool. And his you know willingness to take care of things that can't take care of themselves. You know, he was already doing that even before he met or before he you know rescued um, Matilda. So yeah, I saw something on Reddit this morning that was like, um, if you meet a girl and she has tons of plants, uh, then I know she's the one because she's already taken care of a lot of useless things. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so one more character I want to talk about is uh, Stansfield, and, which is play, he's played by Gary Oldman. And I saw... Based on other reviews of this movie, there was like basically two takes on this. People either felt like this was genius or he was too over the top and it took them out of it. What, how did you feel? I feel like we kind of already heard what you felt, but what did you, how did you, uh, it, you know, interpret his performance? One of the ways that I judge a performance is how much I see of the actor in the role. And I lost Gary Oldman in this. He became Stansfield for me. And I, I was convinced that he was this person, but 
I think the part that is over the top, I think there's there is something there because he is so evil. <laughs> he's just like <laughs> like there's no he has no remorse or anything. He's just like a guy that goes around like killing people indiscriminately, right? He does not care about anything. Um so like he's a little flat on that end because it's like what is his motivation exactly besides just being an evil motherfucker? Like, I don't know. But it it's very entertaining every time he's on screen and he's got all these great lines and there's that hilarious bit where he yells when his whole face like melts when he's like everyone, everyone. <laughs> well yeah and i i for me that like over the top evilness and just disregard for everything f- helps to establish the moral ambiguity of this world it's the type of thing that makes you be like well okay i can root for the hitman then because right. the de the dea is killing people too so um it's really just a free-for-all and yeah yeah what, a, what okay a timely movie to talk about how the cops are bad right <laughs> I, yeah i guess so. <laughs> um so yeah that's because i didn't think that they were dea until they came uh, until they really just formally announced it because initially it just looks like a, a mob shakedown of this guy who's yeah. supposed to be holding the cocaine for them uh, i was pretty surprised to see that it was the dea and after that i was like okay nobody's good everybody's bad right, right, right. so i'm on the side of the hitman because i know the most about him i guess <laughs> but i also like because when i was taking my notes i didn't realize his name is stansfield immediately so i was just calling him the music themed villain and um, <laughs> i think that his like propensity for music definitely as like helps to make him unique um especially because he was going through on this like musical uh rampage through the apartment and then he stops because of his opinion on i think it was mozart where he's like his his intros are great but then his music's boring so that's why he stopped and didn't kill this guy because he's so influenced no, by it was it was music. beethoven like he was saying he loves beethoven but he thinks oh that beethoven he, he starts right. off to climactic and doesn't doesn't build up to it right which yeah. i think was supposed to be a commentary on the movie itself um and also his own uh his own actions in that moment right where he had to make his own action at that point right he of some time to uh establish himself with uh what's his name natalie portman's dad um yeah like there is this motif about music and like musicals in this uh, which i didn't really understand exactly i didn't really look into it that much but Leon, you see Leon, the only time you ever see him like really smile is when he's going to see a Gene Kelly musical. Um, and then, of course, he recognizes Gene Kelly from um, when uh, uh, Matilda's playing that game with him, right? And she's singing, she's singing in the rain, and he recognizes him. Um, and then, of course, Gary Oldman loves classical music, um, and uh, both of them kind of express kind of a similar take of like, you can't trust someone who doesn't like music or something, or like some people don't like music. That's what that's what Natalie Portman says to the uh, to the um, one of the hotel owners, right? When because she, she's claiming that yeah. she plays the violin, right? So some people just don't like music. Um, it's kind of this like maybe they're more similar than you think kind of thing. Like okay, we're not so different, you and I. Or like. <laughs> Trope, well, but well, actually, I like that you said that to bring them into like a kind of a similar fold because. I think Stansfield is a good enough, like he is dangerous enough and he is cunning enough to be a worthy foe for Leon. Throughout this movie, you see Leon absolutely decimate crowds of other killers. And it seems like no one can stand a chance except Stansfield. Stansfield, it, it feels justified in the end when Stansfield gets the better of Leon for a moment. 
you're like, he, yeah, of course. He's Stansfield. This guy is, uh, he's on top of it. And um, it doesn't feel like he got the drop on Leon for the sake of the plot. It feels mm. earned. It feels like, um, you know, I, you, you, I don't have any problems with it. Yeah, he was weird, though. Like, remember when they were in the, um, in the apartment the first time and they, they kill Matilda's family? Um, he does like Stanfield doesn't want to leave, but his like partner or whatever is like, we gotta get out of here, we gotta get out of here, and he's like, he's like trying to push him around, and he's just like, because he's still like really high from that whatever drug he took, yeah. you know, and so, like I, I don't know, he's he seems he is cunning, right? But I don't really know if he's really that smart. He's he doesn't really establish himself as like like a very clever villain beyond like he's just kind of ruthless and like willing to do anything, um, which is like you know evil enough for you know like bad enough well i think he just needed better help did you see how <laughs> benny almost shot his own guy yes come on benny uh, not you're not really representing ben's well in this film by almost <laughs> your one job is to make sure that they don't get out and if the only thing you do is almost cap your own guy in the face so uh, yeah uh, yeah disowning him as a ben no longer invented to the no, I'm, to the Ben convention. It's tough. We, it, we, it's you got to do something worse. You got to be on Ben Shapiro level to get that kind of treatment. <laughs> uh, he's still in the Ben. He could. He's welcome on R slash Ben. But uh, you know, this is definitely He's definitely got to do some. Re, there's going to be repercussions. Yeah, I kind of like that part too because like we're like, why is this guy so nervous? Like, isn't this the kind of thing they do all the time? And I guess not. They're all DEA agents, right? So this is like outside of the realm of comfort. Um, so. Yeah, I, I think that was kind of interesting to kind of give him a bit of character. But to finish off our you know overall look at Gary Oldman, I agree with you. I liked him a lot. Um, I I didn't. I think the way you said it is uh, perfect. You know, it's not Gary Oldman. It's Stansfield. It's a totally different guy. Um, and I think he's a great villain for this film. Absolutely. Okay, let's move forward to our cool Easter eggs. And why don't you go first? Okay, I got this one from Wikipedia. This is about a sequel. Uh, a potential sequel. So Basson wrote a script for a sequel called Matilda, but filming was delayed until Portman was older. In the script, Matilda was described as older and more mature and working as a cleaner. However, in the meantime, Basson left uh, the Gaumont Film Company to start his own movie studio called Europa Corp. Unhappy with uh, Basson's departure, Gaumont Film Company has, uh, in quotes, held the professional rights close to the vest and will not budge. In 2011, uh, director Oliver Megaton told reporters that he and Bassan used the script for Matilda as the basis for Columbiana, a film about a young cleaner played by Zoe Saldana, um, which I remember when that came out. I never saw it, though. Like Matilda, her character goes, on a, goes to war with a drug cartel as revenge for the murder of her family when she was a child. So... We have a spiritual successor, a uh, sequel to this movie uh, called Columbiana, uh, starring Zoe Saldana. So if you want to watch that, if you love Leon the Professional, then, you know, head on over to that movie and you'll uh, does, see Does this. that one also have a uh, forbidden love interest between uh, youth and not youth? <laughs> so, like, she adopts, like, a like a 12-year-old boy. <laughs> And then, like, the take is completely different. Everyone is like, yeah, this yeah, is totally fine. cool. <laughs> um, that's interesting, though. It would have it been cool to see Natalie Portman in a you know, actual sequel because we know how great of an actor she still is. Yes. Um, but, you know, I guess a spiritual uh, successor is, 
Nah, I'm not going to watch it, so. <laughs> I don't care that much. <laughs> All right. Uh, I already talked about this one, so you got the next one. Okay. Well, this one I also I saw on Wikipedia, but then it started to search for me. So Alt-J, if you've ever heard of them, they were pretty. They were massively popular a few years ago, but um, I don't know. I don't keep up with them anymore. But Alt-J is an English indie rock band that is apparently obsessed with this movie. They have hmm. two songs that are inspired directly by the film. Um, I mean, you could even say they're just literally about the film, not necessarily just inspired. But um, the first song is Matilda, and this song is on Alt-J's debut album, An Awesome Wave, which was a commercial uh, success. This is, um, I mean, it's. I think it's probably the album most people think of when they think of Alt-J, uh, but the song is about the final moments of Leon's life. In the, the chorus of the song, the song does not actually have that many lyrics. It repeats itself a lot, but in the chorus, it they say, this is from Matilda, uh, hmm. which is a very... You know, it's the climactic moment of the film and um, also a very good song. So I encourage people, if you haven't heard it, to, to go listen to it. But also, if you have heard it, now you have the meaning behind it. Because, um, again, I, I, I love the song. I, I listen, I've listened to it hundreds of times probably, but I never knew what it was about. And wow. it's literally just straight out of this movie. And then beyond that, there's another song called Leon which is an unreleased song, uh, uh, so it's not on Spotify or anything, but you can find it on the internet. Uh, it's on YouTube. But it's a song that's directly about their the relationship between Leon and Matilda. So, And again, like that, this is where you could say like the repercussions of this film is the glorification of this type of relationship. And they're not saying anything in the song that's explicitly sexual, but they are kind of... The song is kind of... Uh, propping up this relationship between Leon and Matilda, which you can't prop that up without also in some way propping up, you know, the age difference. So, so like, is the song about Leon? Like, are the two characters just also named Leon and Matilda in the song, or is it actually about like the relationship that we see in this movie? It, it's more of like a. Um, I, I'd have to pull up the lyrics again, but it's more of like she needs you, Leon. You like you have to kill them for her, Leon. Like it's mm. it, it's. Um, I don't know. It's it's really interesting to listen to right after you watch the movie because you're like, oh, I understand exactly what every line is about. Um, <laughs> but should have played that for our synopsis, right? Well, I <laughs> I just thought it was really interesting that Alt J has this they're so interested in this particular film and and obviously this this movie is well regarded in general you know it got good reviews yeah uh, it's like uh i got like it's like number 42 on some like movies of all time list or something right. like it's 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 a very famous and well regarded movie definitely so it makes sense i mean it's they, the the band obviously loves this uh film and i just thought it was cool because i already liked matilda a lot and um now the Alt-J famously has ambiguous lyrics and now I can pin down I know exactly what they're talking about so I thought that was pretty cool and I've been listening cool. to Matilda on, on loop ever since I finished watching this movie but uh, alright let's move it forward into our quotable moments and um, I believe you have the first one Joey so who do you want me to be you you need to be Leon I'll be Matilda okay <laughs> is life always this hard or only when you're a kid Always like this. <laughs> I do like the kind of life lessons that that are kind of go back and forth between Matilda and Leon. Um, they do have these kind of like strange moments of like clarity about their own lives um, that kind of 
permeate throughout the movie, and this is one of them. I, I think it's a very um, interesting line. It's, it reminds me a little bit of that line from uh, BoJack Horseman, um, where uh, it's uh, one of the later seasons, his uh, stepsister, Holly Hawk, asks him if like she'll always feel this way, like I always feel depressed, and he tells her, no, it's only when you're a kid, but obviously that's not true for him himself, and he's lying to her. So it's kind of a like oh like um this is a taste of reality for you matilda like it, like you are, you feel terrible right now um but it's not like it's not special to you and it's not special to your circumstance like everyone feels this way <laughs> yeah it's pretty depressing honestly it is but it but it gives you an insight both into leon's like perspective and matilda's too about what they're going through at that moment and like you can tell that leon makes all these sacrifices for his own like benefit, but it doesn't necessarily make him happy. Okay. I've got the next one. And for this scene, I think you should be Leon and I'll be Matilda this time. Okay. We'll that's not confusing. <laughs> and um, you go first. Revenge is not good, Matilda. Believe it is better to forget. Forget? After I've seen the outline of my brother's body on the floor, you expect me to forget? I want to kill those sons of bitches. I want to blow their fucking heads off. Nothing's the same after you've killed someone. Your life is changed forever, and I have to sleep with one eye open for the rest of your life. <laughs> Crying here. I don't give a shit about sleeping, Leon. I want love or death. So, I think in retrospect, this this these lines set up the second half of the movie. Because mm. Matilda wants revenge, but Leon knows it will bring nothing but trouble. And yes. that's exactly what happens. If they didn't go after the DEA, there's a potential storyline where these two live happily ever after in their relationship that I totally don't approve of. But when Matilda attempts to kill Stansfield, it sets the events in motion that eventually result in the death of Leon. But just before his death, Leon professes his love for Matilda. In a way, she gets both love and death. Yes. This movie is well written. Like it's a well made movie. There's a lot of it ties itself together very nicely. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I completely see where this is going too. Right? Like, like the the foreshadowing of "I want love or death" is so apparent to that. Right? That that they, that they get both or either in a way. Yeah, and I and um, I also like the commentary on revenge because by yes. by having Leon take a uh, a stand against revenge. Um, you get to find, you're just like, okay, well, obviously this movie is going to answer whether or not he was right. And um, yeah, obviously he was right. Yeah, and he talks about how he, he sleeps with one eye open, right? And how he never really sleeps, right? So, and like, although like, maybe he does, he just doesn't realize yeah. it because like, you can't tell when you wake up and when you're asleep. Well, he might have slept better than usual when he was on his on back. Bed. <laughs> Probably, definitely, I would say. But um yeah, it's it. I do like that too. Like it, it kind of shows like once you dive into that depth, right? Then you can never get out of it because of the situation that Matilda is that Matilda is perpetuating right now, right? And once you kill someone, the people will try to kill you because you killed someone that they love, and like Matilda is going after that revenge right now, and it's all part of that same, you know. It's all interwoven in a way, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so, and if, correct me if I'm wrong, but Matilda never kills anyone, right? 
she uses the the paint guns to shoot people, but uh, she never actually takes a life herself. It's always just assisting Liam. Yes, he he um yeah he keeps her away from that, which right? is great because it allows her an out. Because then she, at, when this is all over, she can go live you know a quote unquote normal life um, outside the events of this film, which right. is a good ending. Yeah, she she never actually did anything to warrant anybody else's revenge, basically. Yeah, so before we move on, I just want to also mention, I love the way he says, uh, revenge is not good, Matilda. Believe, which reminds me of <laughs> Attack the Block. Yes, I knew, as soon as they said that, I was like, Ben's going to bring up Attack the Block. Yes, I knew it. <laughs> I, that's the only, uh, not the only movie, but the, they use that kind of phrasing so much where they'll say something and then finish it with like, believe or trust. Trust. And, and I, that's always very convincing to me. So I agreed with him immediately. <laughs> All right, I got another one. All right, I'll be uh, I'll be Matilda, and you be Leon. Okay. I finished growing up, Leon. I just get older. For me, it is the opposite. I'm old enough. I need time to grow up. I really like this quote too. Although it's very like, it kind of takes you out of the movie for a moment because you're like, where did this come from? Like this introspection that leon suddenly have like it is a great line but it doesn't like necessarily match up with the way he kind of talks like he's normally not that witty you know <laughs> right right so like to have him kind of like reflect on that and then immediately have a response to it it like eh, a little weird but it is a really cool line because it just shows like their dynamic and how they're how similar they kind of are or how they are opposites that need to balance each other out and, and, and like proves that they're kind of good for each other or like that one needs the other um which you know uh, kind of is the theme of this movie in a way of like how these un this unlikely relationship is actually very beneficial for both of them so at this point did we know leon's backstory yet um because i don't remember, I don't remember. understanding this line but retro retrospectively it definitely makes perfect sense because he basically stopped getting older or stopped growing um when he turned 19 because i don't th i don't think we do at this point because this is right before he goes off to kill some of those dea agents right mm -hmm. i think i think at that point we didn't really know how he felt about that situation because you he, he was just going off to do another job and you might be able to imply yeah, that he no. was doing something for her but because he wasn't bringing you know you're right because he him. reveals his backstory after he rescues her from the dea so right. this is so yeah that's why it didn't make sense to me in the moment but it obviously makes sense uh, after you know where leon came from but you can tell from the way he acts and everything that that's true maybe that's why it felt so jarring is that like you don't actually know what's how he is but like he doesn't he's very much like emotionally stunted and like like kind of um I don't know, hesitant, I guess, to like have relationships with people. He's very like kind of just awkward. He in drinks general. milk like a little kid. <laughs> yes. Um, all of the, so he's like not, he's not developed or, or he's stopped developing in a way. And so it's, it's kind of obvious when he says it that that's true, but it wasn't clear up until that point that that was. Um, okay. I got another one. Okay. I'll, I'll be Gary Oldman this time. You can be, you can be Matilda. Got it. <laughs> It's always the same thing. It's when you start to become really afraid of death that you learn to appreciate life. Do you like life, sweetheart? Yes. Good, because I take no pleasure in taking a life if it's from a person who does not care about it. 
what a creepy lie, right? <laughs> Ugh, it's so, it's so evil. <laughs> like, I thought she was gone, though. I thought she was done, right? There. Oh yeah, like I don't know why he didn't kill her. <laughs> honestly, yeah, like he, he should have. Well, because he found like, out about the death of Malky, and he couldn't. Yeah. And and young blood was uh, distraught too. You know, they obviously these DEA uh, characters all love each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Death come, death takes, and death doesn't give. Um, yeah, I, I just like this, sh- like, showcase of uh, Gary Oldman and just showing how evil he is. Like, the idea that, like, first of all, the question is, do you like life? Like, <laughs> like that he might be on the other side of that or someone else might, you know, say no to that answer. And then, like, the idea that he takes no pleasure from taking a life unless it's from someone who enjoys it like he the only reason he likes killing people is because he likes taking something beautiful from people that appreciate it (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is evil do you like life like the board game do you like life sweetheart (laughs) yeah it's he's very jokery in this movie all right i got one more this is from matilda a girl's first time is very important it determines the rest of her life sexually I read that once in one of my sister's magazines. I think this shows again. This shows a lot um, about Matilda. A lot, of, a lot of lines in this movie drive the plot forward so nicely, and tell you a lot about your characters as well. And this one is no exception. Um, it's it shows first of all that she's always thinking about sex, but also like what her outlook is on that, and how like it's an important milestone to reach as a woman, but also where she gets that information from right which is like from like girly magazines like like these things that are built on selling young girls sex so yeah it, it, it's it just shows like oh she's misguided and this is why she's misguided um all all in one little piece no i i definitely i've you've enlightened me um a lot more to her the media consumption impact on who she is i think it, it right. it's very concrete uh it supports why she acts the way she does and it's all right there in front of you so i appreciate and it that. also like this like um also kind of highlights the contradiction of like sexual sexual the role of sexualization in or sex for young women right and that like it's something that you need to do to be a woman but also it's like very important that you take your time kind of thing like it's like this like this this contradiction of like you need to be sexual but like you have to be careful with your sexuality like it, it, i don't know it's like trying to portray this like value this moral value about sex but also like taking that and saying it's like something else altogether i don't know if I'm gonna you, you, you better hurry well. up and have sex or else you're not a woman but you better be careful because the first time defines the rest of it so yeah it's so right important. right it's just yeah it's needless pressure anyway okay well i think that's gonna conclude our conversation on leon the professional extended cut as we do at the end of all of our episodes let's deliver our ratings joey do you want to go first Yes, I will go first. I give this movie uh, never a shot to the face. Nice. So yeah, because then you could just kill anybody. And then they... you can recognize it. <laughs> um, I give this movie a pair of round sunglasses and a silenced pistol. Nice. I really like the uh, yeah the kind yeah, of aesthetic. the aesthetic of of Leon. If you 
uh, I'm not sure if it's the official poster for this movie, but the one that's black and white and had the bottom half of the poster is mostly Leon's face. Very cool. Like his, his aesthetic, again, it's unique. It's recognizable. Um, it's one of the reasons why he is such a cool professional. My favorite, uh, Leon accessory is his bolt cutter, like holster that oh, yeah. <laughs> he has he just pulls a trench coat and he has all these weapons and a giant bolt cutter it's awesome <laughs> I, I love how none of the targets ever learned you know like the gum bolt cutter combo is just undefeated until they got to the guy yeah 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 who dude. kills kills a ton of people who have chain locks, you know? Well, it, it was very simple. It made the montage very easy to follow. But at the same time, it's like, dang, this is very simple. I, I may might be able to start my own assassination company if I just get right, some bolt right. cutters. Um, <laughs> although, I also liked how the ring trick was just throwing a grenade. <laughs> like, that's the trick is you ask them, do you know the ring trick? <laughs> and you throw a grenade at them. <laughs> uh, uh, Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay, Joey, what's next on Affable Chat? Next is Eurovision, the story of the Fire Saga. Yes, which was a uh, recommendation we got from one of our listeners. So that is what we'll be doing next um, on Affable Chat. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And wherever you listen to us, make sure you leave us a review. It really helps us grow. You can reach us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. Uh, we have the same handle on all three, at Affable Chat. In fact, that's where um, our listener submitted on Instagram. She DM'd us uh, a recommendation. So that's definitely an option. Or you can, you send can do us that. A, or you can send us an email, affablechat at gmail.com. We also have a YouTube channel where we sometimes upload these podcast episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and other things as well. Yes, other things not related to movies. So um, check that out. It's called Affable Chat. So that was Leon the Professional. I'm... Uh, I have a lot of feelings about this movie, but I'm glad I've seen it now. Um, I like having my own opinion on these things, obviously. Um, So for Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening.